The following podcast is brought to you by Love Chatham, providing help for the homeless and hungry in the name of Jesus for those in and around Chatham County, North Carolina at chathamhomeless.org. So I guess this is episode 258 of Amen, Brother Ben, a little different format because I haven't I had the opportunity to uh, jump in the studio and record uh, the, the show in the way that I normally do. And so um, while I still am hoping to do that and have some plans to add some more episodes around the Abound sermon series, I wanted to begin including, um, because I've had a lot of y'all asking for uh, the audio recordings of our Wednesday night uh, Bible 360 classes. We started a new reading plan uh in our church, particularly at, at FFC Siler City, um, that you can also, well, some of y'all are participating in, and if you're listening and don't know what that is, you can jump in anytime uh, on our website, lovesiler.com slash Bible 360. Um, and it's and it's just a reading plan through the Bible. It's nothing, nothing that's redefining the Bible reading plan, but it is a way that we are reading through the Bible together, holding each other accountable, and it also pulls together lots of links and resources. And what we're doing is for the, the next uh, few weeks here, we're going to walk through the book of Genesis together, where we read it on our own, and then we come back and each Wednesday night, get together and kind of recap, answer questions and highlight some themes and stuff. It's not verse by verse, but it's sort of a a 10,000 foot view of these things. And so uh, this this will be a little bit longer of of a podcast and each night we'll spend about an hour talking. Um, And so uh, well, we hope that this will be fruitful and helpful for you. Uh, and so maybe if you want to jump on board and, and read with us, or if you're already doing that, hopefully this will be uh, a benefit and a blessing to you. I know a lot of folks have not been able to come out on Wednesday nights because of sickness and, and other schedule issues. So um, so this kind of hopefully will help you stay on track and hopefully you'll enjoy this issue or this issue, not issue, it's not a magazine, an episode of Amen Brother Ben. Um, and then we will be back soon with just as soon as we can with the next episode and next week with the next Bible 360. Uh, this week though, right now, we're going to walk through Genesis 1 through 10 and particularly want to talk a little bit about those first two chapters and the debate uh, that tends to rage around creation. Check it out. All right, everybody, let's go ahead and get started tonight. I want to make sure that we have enough time to get to what all we're doing this evening. I did feel like I needed to have a discussion about Genesis 1 through 2 before we uh, pressed on because that is without a doubt um, the most uh, debated and discussed part of the Bible, not only among Christians but among non-Christians versus Christians and science, you know, scientists and Darwinists and atheists and you know all, all sorts of religions. They they have an opinion on Genesis one through two. So what I, what I did what I'm going to do here is is kind of lay out something for you. Um, and I'm going to try to be as objective as possible because this is one of those things I have not, I don't have a strong uh, understanding of in a way that I'm, I feel like I'm going to say this is the definite truth, right? There's a lot of things in the Bible that I have to be very careful, and I, I have to guard against this. And anytime you're in a position of mentorship with somebody, whether it be your kids or somebody that you're trying to make a Timothy to your Paul at work or at school or whatever, you got to be careful speaking with definite authority on something that you only kind of sort of understand, right? Because uh, that can be that can be very messy. Um, but again, we're looking at Genesis, and remember, if you remember from last week, it's really important for you to know what type of book, what type of genre you're dealing with, um, and and who the intended audience is, and who is writing it, and why they're writing it. Those are all good bits of information to have to help you make sure that you don't take something you read the wrong direction. And so with Genesis, um, it's, it's what's called, and I know this is not on your sheet yet, but I'm, I'm setting it up, uh, uh, a historical narrative. That is the technical, technically what, what they put, uh, classify Genesis as, is a historical narrative. Um, written, most people believe, or at least compiled by Moses, um, along with Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that makes the Torah, which is what almost all uh, Jewish people would ascribe to as God's, as God's word. Some that don't 
get into the rest of the Old Testament and some that definitely don't get into the New Testament. But we can all agree on that, with, uh, that the Torah and, and those five books, uh, most people believe it's from the authority of Moses. Now, this is where it started to really mess with me is because I'm reading Genesis especially, and, but also Exodus and some of those others, and I, you read it like there's some dude in the corner taking notes, like there's a, or a stenographer, like a court stenographer that's going, this happened and then this happened, and then it's this blow-by-blow blow thing. But the more you understand about the history of it, you understand that there is a lot of oral tradition passed along, right? Was, if Moses wrote Genesis, was Moses there at the beginning? No, this was something that God had to supernaturally impart to him. There's a, and, and this, or this is something that God has to sustain through lots of notes and scrolls. And you know, back in those days, people, uh, a lot of people couldn't read and couldn't write, but they were scribes that would, that would record it for posterity. And then even, especially stuff like the history of our people and the creation of the world was pretty important to God's people to remember and to, and to not go, oh, you know, the thing with the, you know, they didn't get distracted by Fortnite and go play, play in that and not remember what, what, what Genesis said. So, so this is Moses that later, you know, hundred, hundreds and thousands of years later, after the actual events of Genesis 1 or 2, is uh, compiling it. And, and, and there's different points in history where uh, God inspires Moses or some of the other teachers to, to bring all these writings together. And uh, usually like um, a lot of the Old Testament was put together in the exiles because you're trying to cling with every breath and every thought you can to your way of life and how you know the world. You're surrounded by pagan nations that think very differently about the beginning of the world and what who God is and how we came to be. And so when we're reading Genesis, we're reading uh, God trying to uh, make sure his people understand that we're different, that they're different, that the, all, all these stories of the pantheon of gods that, I mean, there's some wild stuff of how, how other people or other religions believe things come to be. You know, this God took this material and that material and put it together. And there's a lot of different, uh, Moses makes sure that his people know who's the one true God and, and how different they're supposed to be. Um, and so that's why Genesis is there. That's why, why that, that I think God uh, wanted this to be a part of it is so that we can understand uh, the truth about where we come from. If we don't understand where we come from, uh, it's hard to understand who we are and where we're going. And, and even from Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we learn some really essential things about God and about us uh, and about salvation um, that Jesus continues. And the whole Bible continues this. Again, it starts this really beautiful story of God redeeming his once good creation that we screwed up and he is making a way for us to come back to him and turning, turning create all of creation into what he intends it to be. Um, so um, a lot of times though, that really comes button heads with what people call the science, right? Have you ever had a discussion with someone who, who, uh, who, who they say, well, the science doesn't bear that out. And they make this, this what I think is a false dichotomy between you either are on the side of science or you're on the side of the Bible. And that is, I think, a, a false premise. That is a, that is a distinction that we do not need to make for a couple reasons. One is, again, because we need to understand that we're reading a historical narrative, not a science textbook, right? There's not, we don't read Genesis to find every single bit of information about creation and how creation came to be. And so when someone says, well, what does Genesis say about X, Y, and Z? And they, they start talking about geology or astronomy or something like that. You don't have to, I, I know I've been in those situations where I felt like I needed to try to have an answer for that. When in reality, that's not what Genesis is trying to say. That's not the point of why Genesis was written, was, was to explain all the, all the questions that we had about everything uh, scientific that brought us here. And so, by the way, the science says, 
nothing. nothing. Science doesn't say anything. Scientists say something. Scientists read and interpret data, right, and, and tr come to a conclusion because nobody was there when the world began. And so er all, all the conclusions that we see in our textbooks are theories, right? I, uh, there's a guy named Frank Turek who's a really good, uh, he has this website called Cross-Examined, and he does a lot of Christian apologetics. And I remember one time watching him take some videos from a, a college uh, student, and they said, how, what do you, how old do you think the universe is? And he said, well, the only, I, I know it's at least 50 years old, because that's how old I am, right? Everything else is a, is a guess. Sometimes an educated guess, sometimes a not-so-educated guess, but it's a guess, right? Um, we have evidence that we can see and make some assumptions about, um, but there, the, the science is fallible, uh, incomplete people trying to interpret data. And so don't ever feel like you, there's this brick wall of the science that your Bible has to bow down to, right? Because the science has changed a lot in the past hundred years. The science is constantly changing because we are constantly learning things and, and, and discovering things. And, and so, um, and it's a, and it usually the science ends up jiving pretty well with God, right? Um, not, not always because we can't understand everything, but there's just this false idea that we have to make the Bible make sense to science. And I want to free y'all from that because A, that's not the purpose of Genesis and of the Bible. And B, um, you know, that there's, and again, even with Christians, and I don't want to go too far with this where, where we can second guess all truth because there, there is truth. But again, what is the Bible but fallen, weird people like us trying to interpret the word? The word of God is perfect and good and without error, and, and, but we sure screw it up, don't we? We misread things all the time. And we talked about that last week, how we, we've misread the Bible to terrible ends in human history. So, so both science and the Bible can be misread and misinterpreted. But that doesn't mean that, um, that God is not revealing truth to us, right? And he's doing that mainly through the Bible now, but he's also been doing it ever since the beginning through creation. That's why if you ever get the question of what, what happens to the starving pygmies in New Guinea or whatever Larry the Cable Guy said about the, the, the unreached people that, that don't uh, hear the name of Jesus, What's, does God just let... The, and, and Paul says in Romans 1, like, we see creation and we are without excuse. God is revealing himself to us through creation. So, you know, it's only been in the last, you know, couple hundred years to thousand years that we've had so much of the word of God brought together for us. We, we have a, a view and a take of, of the truth of God that many, 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 most people in human history did not have. And, but God still revealed himself to them and they were responsible for what they knew and could see. Um, so all that to say, that's, that's how you should approach Genesis and be set free from that doubt that, oh, what, you know, my science teacher is, is saying that I, I don't have an answer for that. Again, Genesis is not a, a science textbook, but it does give us some pretty interesting bits of information that, um, for instance, one debate is young earth versus old earth. And this is, the, this is the, the main argument that I try my best to not get in the ditch about, right? And I've said this from the pulpit, and I've had some people get mad at me for saying this, but it's like what you believe about how old the earth is has nothing to do with if you're saved or not, right? We, we do a good job around here. We try. If you ever go through our membership class, I say, we're not arguing. We can talk about it, but we're not arguing and separating and, and being uh, divisive about these beliefs that are within the bounds of Christianity, right? There's liberty. There's some of y'all, you know, there, there's tons of ways that Christians diverge on, on, but as long as you're right on Jesus, well, you're my brother and sister in Christ, and I'll laugh at you for being wrong, or you'll laugh at me for being wrong one day in, in heaven. We'll go, told you. There's gonna be a lot of told you's going on uh, because we'll find out the truth one day. But there's a lot of, of gray area, for instance, the age of the earth. Um, and so I... I I don't want to spend all night on it, but I did want to go over the arguments for young earth versus old earth. Um, and kind of, because again, this is not an area where I'm ready to go, yep, 
The earth is X amount of years old because I haven't sat with it long enough to, to have a, a really strong opinion, and I don't know if I ever will because I'm, I also have to shepherd people, and I'm trying to love God, love people, and make disciples, and I think that's more important than figuring out, A, how long we've been here, and B, how long we've got because I can change neither of those things. So what if, so, you know, we need to understand Genesis and Revelation are important, but they're not uh, so important that it's going to distract us from, from what God has for us. So let's talk about young earth versus old earth. And it, this argument, all go, it all centers around, well, there's, there's tons, by the way. You could spend hours and hours and hours on it. Over the years, I have, and I don't know if I'm happy about that or not because it still didn't change a whole lot. Um, but it, it centers around this word yom, Y O M, yom, yom. Is that a, uh, it's like a, a train, yeah. yom, um, just chilling, bro. Um, yom Kippur, you ever heard of that? Yom Kippur or whatever, that's the Day of Atonement in Hebrew. That's the holiday for, for that Jewish people uh, celebrate. The word yom is day, right? Because again, we, hopefully y'all know this, the Bible is not written in English, wasn't written in the King's English in 1614 either. Uh, some churches will throw you out for that, but it was written in Hebrew and it was written in ancient Hebrew that has a whole different literary system. It has a whole different words are used differently. Um, uh, you know, think about how the word gay has been changed over the past 30 years, right? to what the meaning of that word in, in the cultural context. So imagine how some words can change over the, the millennia to mean different things. And turns of phrase, shut up Richard, I don't, <laughs> just don't, you don't distract me with your jokes. Uh, <clears throat> no, um, but yom is day. Uh, so whenever you see the word day in the Bible, you're probably looking at the word yom. Now, according to the young earth uh, viewpoint, yom equals a 24-hour period, right? Um, a, a day as we experience it. Um, their argument for that is, well, there's another word for age or millennia or you know a, a passing time. And so that word most often means a 24-hour period. So that, that's what we believe, that God created the earth in six 24-hour periods and then rested for a seventh 24-hour period. Um, plus they say, I don't know if you, if you remember reading Genesis 1, it would say, and then it was morning, and then it was evening, and that was the first day. Um, and so they say, see, they went into extra detail to talk about morning and evening. Those are day parts of a 24-hour cycle. So the earth was created from nothing in, you know, all those things happened in a 24-hour period. Um, old earthers, now by the way, before I jump, I will say, again, there is good arguments to both sides. I've heard really good arguments from people who love Jesus and who are going to heaven when they die and who believe that the, the, they don't have a problem with any other part of the Bible or any part of the Bible. They believe in the Bible is infallible and inspired. And some people think it's young earth. Some people think it's old earth. They, they think that that word yom does mean an age, a, a, a passing period. They use it kind of like we would say back in the day. Or back in my day, you know, we walked up uphill both ways in the snow to go to school. Like in my day, um, and the argument is that sometimes in the Bible it is translated an age, and that is true. I went, I heard that, and I went and did some digging, and like in when the Bible says like in the day of Mo, of Noah, in Noah's day, or in Abraham's day, they're talking about an, an era, you know, a, a passing of time, uh, just like we would say in days gone by, um, or in, in another day. Um, so sometimes it is translated that. Um, also, I don't know if you noticed, but there is no sun or moon until the fourth day. So again, how are you going to rotate? How's the sun and earth going to rotate? If So the function of a 24-hour day period that we see it, where the sun and the moon do their thing, and we, we do our little dance, um, there was no sun and moon to do that until day four of the creation narrative. Um, that, and so their argument is because of that, morning and evening aren't literal. You don't read that literally. You read that as the beginning, you know, early and late. And it's, and it's more of a metaphorical 
use of the word morning and evening. Pretty good argument. But there's, there's points to both sides of that. Um, but he, hmm? Yeah, he like sits right there and yeah. He's everywhere. So he doesn't, he doesn't yeah. experience it as a day at all. That's a good point. Yeah. It's a whole the our whole frame of reference for life is blown out the window when when those first, especially those first couple of days of creation, the world is nothing like it is right now. So the words that get applied to those situations may not be used in the same way. Um, that, that's, a, that's a great point. It, from the perspective of God, it, it, you know, our, we're reading that from our perspective and what we understand a day to be. That might not have been what God experienced at all. Um, and by the way, feel free to jump in with questions and comments too. If I, I get excited talking about stuff like this, you know, so I might, I might blow by a question you may have. But, um, but here's the big idea. And here's whether you believe in that the earth is 6,000 years old or 14 billion years old or, or some point in between, the big idea is that God can work outside and override the natural laws that we come to study and know and, and estimate from looking at the world around us because he made them, right? It's like he made the, He set up the universe so that light travels at a certain speed and things degrade at a certain speed and, and, and so... He can break those rules any dang time he wants to, right? Like he is, he is free to do that. And so whether it looks like, whether the science makes sense to you that he could do something like that in a 24-hour period, he could. Now, again, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say he did because he might not have. But he, let's, let's all at least agree that he could, that he could absolutely agree. He could have created it all like that in less than a day, um, because he, he set up the boundaries of those things and he can break those boundaries. Um, he could, there's a whole other thought process and, and, uh, of that God created the earth at a certain age. So there's some people that believe it's a young earth, but he's created it in such a way that it appears older. Because they're really trying to make Genesis and science jive in a way that I don't think they have to. But. Right. That's a good point. As children, mm -hmm. as infants, he created them with age. Mm -hmm. Well, he created the world with age. Same with the plants and animals and everything, too, right? He, yep. he didn't, like, plant an oak, an acorn. Yeah. Wait for it to grow. Yeah. and yeah. I'll, have you I'll, I'll have you name these chickens once they hatch, you know? like <laughs> Yeah. So he could. He could have. You're like, well, it, the earth has to, or the universe has to be this many billion because... There's a star that's been sending, you know, light for three billion. And I'm like, but he could have created that star already at that point with that beam of light already riding at, at that plate. Like he, he can do any of that because he's God. Um, it's cool to think about those things. Right. Yeah. Lazarus. 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 He's been dead for a while. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they said he'd come back off. They didn't really say how he was. Right. He, was. he probably stank. Uh, no, I don't know. They didn't mention that either. Yeah. He could, again, yeah, but, and God was doing that because he's trying, because again, only God can do those sort of things, break those sort of laws of nature. And so Jesus was saying, yeah, I can too, because I, I was there, you know, I was there when it started. You know, Jesus was there at creation too. So um, that's what John says, you know, the, in the beginning, the, the word was there and he's the word. Um, it's worth noting uh, that verse I quoted a couple weeks ago in, in Sermon About Time. A day is like a thousand years to God, right? That's another truth we need to beat around there as we think about time is, uh, but by the way, it's funny, both young earthers and old earthers use this to further their view. 
They'll say, see, a day is like a thousand years to God. So, you know, it, it, it may look like a thousand years to your science book or a billion years to your science book, but God did it in a, in a 24-hour period. Boom. The Bible proves me right. The old earther is going to say, well, if a day is like a thousand years, who says that when the Bible says a day that it wasn't a thousand years or a million years or however many years? See, boom, I'm right. The Bible says I'm right. And, and, and it's, it's, you, you know, we, we find a way to make our, ourselves right sometimes. We, it's called cognitive dissonance where we, we look for reasons to pat ourselves in the back. See, see, I told you. Um, both sides use that verse, but it's something to think about that, you know, Time works differently for God, and so uh, that could that could have that reality could make Earth very old, or could make Earth very young. Um, see how easy it is to go in the deep end, though. You see how we could sit there and talk about this all night and for the rest of the year. Um, so here's my advice. Again, I wanted to lay that argument out to you because I want you to consider it. But also, I don't care if you ever choose a side, right? Because, again, it's, it's not the most important thing. But I want you to know that that's the type of thing that you... I don't want you to ever uh, feel like you can't think deeply about the Bible, right? That you need to shut your brain off. Some of y'all are really smart. And you think that if you're just to fit in with your smart friends at school, your smart friends at work or whatever, that you've got to shut off, your, shut off all logic and just, just believe. Well, you do have to just believe because... Again, it's faith, and faith, we may never get the answers to this, but that doesn't mean we can't think deeply and, and wrestle with these things. So if this really excites you, go for it. I gave you on that sheet as well as on, I put these same links on, the, on that same webpage uh, on, the, on our website. Uh, go dig into it more. I mean, it's, it's better than Real Housewives. Like, you know, like I'd rather you spend time there than on Fortnite or whatever, you know, like I... The, the, there's worse things you could be doing with your time. Just don't let it replace you reading the rest of the Bible. And don't let it replace you loving God and loving your neighbor and serving the poor. And it's not the only place we need to focus our attention. Yeah. Yeah. So go for it. Dig. Talk. But also don't get cocky about it if you find some answers and find some... If it's going to build your faith, awesome. If it's going to puff you up and make you arrogant, then don't go down that road. Right? That's what the... Uh, I put a verse on the web page, you know, love builds up, but not, or knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I want you to know your Bible in a way that makes you more loving and makes you more humble and, and more confident without being a cocky jerk that wants to argue with everyone and looks, I mean, there's guys, there's Christians I know that if you, if you don't check every theological box with them, then you're an idiot and they don't want anything to do with you. I don't want that to be us. So let's make sure we avoid those, those ditches there and those pits. Uh, here's, the important three, here's the three important things you need to believe about Genesis no matter what. Okay, And then I'll, I'll take any of your questions on those chapters. But um, I, I thought I was thinking about this, and they all tie back to salvation. You, we can argue and come to different opinions on all sorts of things in Genesis 1 and 2. You at least got to believe the first five words. In the beginning, God created. Right? Like... Can we, can we agree on that? Wait, is that five words? In the beginning, God created. Yeah, okay. In the beginning, God created. If you can get those five words down, we're good, right? you got to believe in God because otherwise then you don't believe in Jesus and then you're not a Christian and you're going to hell and all sorts of stuff. Don't know who. Um, yeah, yeah, that escalated quickly, didn't it? Um, that's important that you believe that God created and that we didn't you know, evolve in, into this and that the universe didn't just hiccup and, and happen. God is an intelligent designer that made all this thing possible. That's important for you to believe. You also need to believe in the goodness of creation. As in, God created, and what did he say? Right? If he was from Chatham County, he said, that's good stuff. Right? Um, we have to agree with him. Not that everything is perfect and awesome as it is, but that what God created was good, and we are not evolving into good. Right? That the that people and creation, we're not like, there's some people that believe if we just continue on this path, we're going to get rid of disease and we're going to get rid of, of all this stuff and we're going to have a more evolved society one day. There's partial micro-truth in that, but the world is not blossoming into what it ought to be apart from God. God is making and molding us into that eventually, but he is going to have to do it. 
we are not going to, because otherwise, the reason that this is an important thing for us to believe, otherwise, why does Jesus have to die on the cross? He could have just waited for us to get our act together. might have taken a while, but he wouldn't have had to die for our sins. He's had to sit there and wait for us to evolve into higher intelligence beings with the right morals. No, that's not how it's happening. We're, we're getting worse, not better, right? And so you need to believe in the goodness of creation, that what God created was initially good, and then the other side of the coin is that we broke it, right? You need to believe in the fall and the sinfulness of man. And really, you have to believe in uh, Adam and Eve as special and historical creations. There's a lot of people that say, well, was Adam and Eve really, like they could have been a symbol. They could have been a, um, you know, a, a, a moral of the story type thing, a parable type thing, or an archetype. Was there really one human being, one man and one, and then we all come springing from that? Well, if you don't believe that, you're pulling out the Jenga blocks to the gospel. Because if you believe that there's all these other people groups, and this Adam and Eve might have been the beginning of the Jews, but they're not the beginning of the whole world, then why did Jesus have to, like, then what Jesus did is not covering those people, is not rescuing those people. It's, we, we have to kind of see a historical, and by the way, I read the Bible, when you're doing that, you're reading Genesis like Jesus reads Genesis. Because Jesus referred to Adam as a person and not an idea. You would think God, Jesus was, was blowing people's minds and changing up everything while he was here. If, I, if Adam wasn't a real dude, he wouldn't have, you know, he would have said so, I would think, well, right? Pull out those kinds of things that later on in Genesis destroys everything. And right. He goes on to say that through this lineage, you're going to bless all nations. Right. There's, there's concrete, that's why we read it as history. And if Adam and Eve were just, then that, again, that pulls the, the bottom out of everything else in Genesis and everything else in the Bible and everything else in the gospel. So a historical Adam and Eve being, because humanity had to start somewhere, right? And I really believe that if you, if you discard any of those three things, you're really in trouble for not being Orthodox Christian. And, and you're really looking at a different God and a different Jesus in a different situation. Um, again, I'm not saying that if you've ever went, oh, I could kind of see that, that you're going to hell. But I'm saying logically it doesn't hold up because Jesus is the greater Adam. The Bible calls him the greater Adam. If, it has to be a real person. For, you know, again, Paul, Jesus, many of the other Bible authors uh, refer to Adam like a human being. So he was a dude. <laughs> um, and we'll talk a little bit more about what, what came from him. Any, I know there's that, I just word vomited a lot of stuff on you. Um, any questions about any of that? Thank you. Um, again, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. It's a lot to question and, and makes my brain hurt. But um, those, but as long as you get down with those three things, hey, let's have a friendly conversation about all this other stuff. But if you're starting to discard that there was, an, there was an Adam and that there's a fall and that there was a God who created everything, then you ain't Christian no more, right? You, and, and, and now I'm, my prayers are much different for you. Um, so let's go chapter by chapter. So that's, that's a lot of Genesis 1 and 2. Um, oh my gosh, it's already 745. We're going to move at a brisk pace now. Um, I did not intend to take that long. I'm glad I didn't start. I'm glad I didn't spend 45 minutes on that though. Um, just close to it. Um, so one of the questions was, uh, what is it? Craig was asking about, uh, Genesis one, five through nine was talking about, there was this expanse and the waters and the God separated the waters and, and, and yeah. Um, and what was that all about? Um, and, and as I looked into it, there's, there's a word. I'm going to not have time to break out all the Hebrew nerdy stuff. But basically, that word expanse or uh, void or whatever, it also could mean uh, one of the translations is vault. Um, and it's also, you, that same word is used in Ezekiel. And it, it doesn't say what exactly it's made of, but it's a material that basically, again, it's kind of a spiritual material. We don't know what it is, but it's separating the two realms. So if you remember in the This Means War series, we talked about how there's a heavenly realm and an earthly realm. And so at that point in creation, God is separating heaven and earth. He's separating 
and, and there's, I guess there's waters up there. I would, you know, I don't know. It seems like there's some water down here and there's some water up there. There's, as we know, there's water molecules in the atmosphere and, and in all sorts of places. So whatever it was, God was dividing uh, heaven and earth in such a way that he was making the, the, making it to where the earthly realm and the heavenly realm weren't on top of each other exactly. So that's what's happening in, in that moment. And again, this is one of those parts where you're like, I'm trying to envision this, and this is really weird, and, and I don't quite get it. But, uh, what confused me was the water above the expanse. Right. The water below so it sounds like there's some water in the spiritual realm. And <laughs> yeah. It was just it was just absolutely wet. Mm-hmm. And um again, my mom, um, that's why there are no dinosaurs after it, because the atmosphere would not support them. They, mm. they needed that mm. heavy heavy atmosphere. Heavy atmosphere you know. Interesting. Mm, that's cool. Um Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, maybe God used some of that, you know, whether it would be it held it up in the heavens as in the sky, or did He hold that up as from the heavens of the actual spiritual realm? Could be either one of those. Doesn't it doesn't say for sure, but um, yeah. Um, Genesis. So that's you know, again, Genesis one and two both have a creation. There's two different kind of creation stories. That doesn't mean that the Bible is contradicting itself. It's just one of the, again, it's a historical narrative. It's not a blow by blow. And so and Genesis 1 told it in a certain way. I mean, you were talking about that the other day, how it's like they laid all out, laid the overview, and then they went back and told details in Genesis 2. So you get, you get a kind of a different look, just like you get different looks in the Gospels at stuff that Jesus did. doesn't make it not true or contradictory. It's just from another angle. If you've ever talked to a kid and they try to tell you a story, you know, and they're under the age of 10, then you probably hear it from three different angles because there are you know, all sorts of weird details. Interesting. Just, just a different take. Right. God's not. Uh, no, that wasn't right. Hold on. Yeah. 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 And Hebrews does do that. They do, Hebrew writing is is also very, like it has a rhythm. It has a you know if you look at like and God said it was good and God said it was good and God, and, and it's very like. They, they will tell stories like that with sort of a rhythm and a rhyme and a shape to it that is more about the poetry of it than it is the factual information being derived from that. So then you get Genesis 3, you get the fall. A lot of us are very uh, familiar with, with that chapter. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 Because we're short on time, I won't spend much time on that, but obviously that's a big chapter for us understanding where, where, why we're sinful people. Um, and uh, we talked some about that with the serpent and everything uh, in, in the This Means War series. So we t- some of us, have, that's fresh on our minds. Then we start into Genesis 4 uh, about Cain and Abel. We start to see that that sin that was in Genesis 3 starts to carry over and starts to have some major repercussions. Now, granted, again, Genesis is not telling us all the details, right? Some details. It's giving us a... It's giving us some information, but there's, it, it even says, you know, Adam and Eve had more kids that they don't talk about. Adam and, you know, and that the, they don't get specific about what, how much time passes between some of these events. We have to kind of just use our imagination because apparently God didn't think it was important for us to know. Um, but Cain and Abel, one of the questions I get, Eli, is why did, did God accept Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? Has anybody ever wondered that? 
Anybody have any thoughts about why that would be? Why would God accept? Because again, this is what makes Cain jealous is Cain goes to make a sacrifice. Abel goes to make a sacrifice. God rejects Cain's sacrifice and, and keeps Abel's. Why is that? That the, the scripture does specifically say that he gave, Abel gave the best of his flocks. Huh? The what? Blood. That's another uh, theory too, is that, and again, we don't know what type of system God had or what that sacrifice was being made for because they hadn't gotten to Moses to make all these rules and regulations officially, but uh, Abel brought blood. He brought, you know, uh, whereas Cain brought fruit and veggies. And Right. So it's like, wait a minute, you're not even doing what I told you. Again, we don't know what exactly he told Cain and Abel to do or how to do it, but one theory was, hey, again, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God killed an animal and, get, and took the, the skin and gave them clothes. So something was dying as soon as sin entered the world. And so if they were making a sin offering, then, you know, carrots ain't cutting it, right? And, and it's disobedience. Um, but Hebrews kind of gives us a big picture. If you read later in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews, Abel gave in faith. Whatever the motivation, it's, it comes down to the motivation. We know that Abel's motivation was good because A, Hebrews says it was, and he gave his best. I believe that was a part of it too, in faith. And we know that Cain's heart wasn't right because if Cain's heart was right and God rejected his offering, he would have fixed it. He would have said, Lord, I apologize. Lord, let me... Let me do better. Let me and and if he if Cain had the right motivation, he would have gone and gotten whatever and done whatever God wanted him to do. He didn't. He got jealous of his brother and killed him. We know. So again, it's the actions of Cain that clue us in that his heart wasn't right. Because again, the Bible didn't say he gave the rotten apples out of his orchard, right? Um, it's he gave, he might have given good fruit and veggies, but his motivation. Because again, any sacrifice, any offering to God, it's not about the contents. God was not, God you know, doesn't like the smell of a barbecue more than he does roasted veggies. It's, he, he's wanting us to, just like how the widow's two uh, shekels or whatever it was, was worth more to God than, than a much bigger offering from someone who's got it to spare. Because it's not about the content of our sacrifice and our offering. It's about our motivation behind it. And so all these details are, again, kind of a moot point. We want to get the, the big picture from that. And that's what uh, Genesis 4 was. Uh, the other question I got from someone that's not here was, where did Cain get his wife? Well, the simple answer is, and again, this is where some people don't like it, but uh, probably a close relative, Right? Cue the banjos, but uh, we, we and this is so this is so weird to everybody in modern day in 2023 reading this because think about it. Out of all the deviancy and sinfulness that we have normalized in our culture, incest is still weird to everybody, right? Incest is the one thing that people are like that's weird, man. I don't, I can't, I can't understand. There's no letter in the alphabet that goes on the flag for that, right? Um, <laughs> We, we, we keep that at a distance. <laughs> why is that? Why, so, here's, here's, so here's why this is not a problem. By the way, this is why some people really want Adam and Eve to not be the, only, the first human beings in the only people group. Because they're like, I don't like how, why would God tell Cain to marry his, I guess it's got to either be his sister or his niece, right? Um, either way, it's weird. To us, why is that? A couple reasons. One... You th there was no other option. If, if, if humankind has a, a beginning, then there is no... You thought Chatham County had no options, right? At least, you know, um, there was no, there's no other way for him to... But also, why is it still frowned upon now? Because of the genetic problems that it creates. Our genetic mutations and our genetic flaws, if you bring people's genes together that are too similar... That kid's not going to be right. Well, just think about how amazing it is that we know that now, right? Mm -hmm. And then at that time, to your point, what you said, the options were limited. And I believe it was a custom of theirs that, you know, 
But at some point, God said, we we're do done. Yeah. Yeah. It was in Mosaic Law. He cut it off, right? Because Abraham and Sarah were like half, half siblings or something. And you look at like, I think it was either Isaac or, no, it might have been uh, Jacob, I think, who was like his cousins, you know. And it was first cousin, yeah. Um, again, that's weird to us, but, but back then the genes weren't corrupted as bad, right? As we go, as time goes on and sin bears its weight on Again, sin doesn't just mess up our thoughts, it messes up our bodies. And so sin, now we've had time, and again, the beautiful plan of God that as, as our genes have corrupted, we now have better options for reproducing. And so why was it okay for Cain to marry his sister? Because one, he didn't have another option, and two, their genes were pure. And, you know, yeah, or a lot closer, yeah, uh, the... There was not, not all these deformities that would cause the issue. It's weird. Again, people don't like that. People go, ah, that's what, it's weird now. But God made no prohibition against, against that until the time of Moses. And it was because God gives us rules for our flourishing and for our good. And so, yeah, you're right. That's a great point. We didn't have all the scientific knowledge, and yet God, God knew. Before COVID, that was way before COVID, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. But his notion was very simple. Of course, man corrupted that by making it those little pages of how to properly wash hands. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The the Pharisees got crazy with that. Uh, uh, was Fauci a Pharisee? What's the, no. um, <laughs> sorry, just kidding. Um, chapter most of y'all skip <clears throat> because it's just genealogy, right? You're like, what does this have to do with anything? This though, what what. So one of y'all pointed out, very good point though, it's important that Genesis 5 and 10, because 10 too is also genealogy, is in there. That's why we read this as history and not metaphor and not, you know, some great story, you know, not a fable, right? Why would, why would Adam and Eve be imaginary in, verse one, in chapter 1 and 2 and then they go through painstaking detail to, to talk about the genealogy? Uh, it's because those were historical, real-life people. Um, the debate around Genesis 5, because Genesis 5 is how a lot of people try to come to the young earth perspective. You know, they say, okay, well, let's do the math here. Um, and it's a lot easier. It makes it a lot easier to, deba to debate uh, the universe's age, but mankind's age, it's a lot harder to get around if you believe Adam and Eve were the first man and woman. There's only a certain amount of, of, of time that the human species could be around. Now, there is something to be said for something called telescoped genealogy. If you read some of the like genealogy about David later on in the Bible, his genealogy is presented a couple times, and there's like a different number of generations in each one of them. And it's because sometimes, again, they, they gave that genealogy for a reason, and it wasn't to dot every, t every I and cross every T. And so there's a chance that some of this was just left out. Doesn't make the Bible wrong. Doesn't make I don't know that for a fact, but some people argue, well, they skipped some generations and they, they hit the high notes when it came from Adam to, to Noah or whatever. So really it could be much longer. Still, it's not... Right, we, yeah, we all want to write Aunt so-and-so out of the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Genesis 6, again, this is... Now the, the, we get to the time of Noah, um, and uh, we see, the, see stuff getting really bad. Like verse 2, the sons of God, which to Stephen's question, uh, it's widely accepted that those are spiritual beings. Those are angels, basically. Um, again, because the word son, this is another reason why there's some ambiguity about the, uh, the generations, is because the Hebrew word for son could also mean grandson, could also mean a couple different, you know, like that. Abraham's the father of a nation. That doesn't mean he had all them babies, right? Um, even Solomon would be like, "Dang, son, slow down." If that was the case, but it means it. It could. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm your actual biological father or son. Um, it could be grandson. It could be uh, another type of thing. But the sons of God, lower, you know, lowercase G. Um, it, most most scholars. And again, this is not something I'm gonna a hill I'm gonna die on, but it seems to be that they are 
spiritual angelic beings that came down and started messing with the, with the ladies of, of earth, right? Started procreating and, and stuff like that. Um, that's the Nephilim. <clears throat> Nephilim. Um, I'll have to send, I'll have to attach this to it. There's a guy that does a lot of research on the Nephilim and stuff like that and how part of the, re- he, he, he comes to the uh, guess that part of the reason God is sending Israel to like wipe out civilizations during Exodus and some of that stuff is because he's trying to get rid of the descendants of the Nephilim and, and some of these other uh, sinful uh, people that have stayed over. Right. So I don't, I don't know about all that. That's just a theory he has. It was, it was interesting, but, but yeah, verse, verse six, uh, we get, we get the flood. A lot of people don't like, again, this is another area people get mad at. By the way, I'm not going to debate. It's hard to get around that it's a worldwide flood. The theological implications of it just being a local flood don't make sense with what God's purpose is. Um, but again, we're looking, at, we're looking at geology and stuff like that and trying to figure that out. And again, I, I, that's not what Genesis is trying to do is prove its case. Um, there are flood narratives in almost every religious uh, group. Um, that, again, that doesn't mean that there wasn't... Uh, to me, that means that there was a flood and we're just trying to find the right take on it. Um, and, and I would think that ours would be the right take. Again, a lot of people don't like this mean old God that would flood the world and, and kill all these people. But again, and I've heard people, how dare God? And I'm like, how dare you? you? God creates, you know, we joke about mama saying, I'll take, I brought you in this world, I can take you out. God actually does have the right to do that because he gave us life. And whether he gives you 10 seconds or 100 years, what, he's still good and you still didn't deserve to be alive. And so you've got all these people, again, by the way, they didn't say Noah was perfect. They said he was righteous. We see in a few chapters here, he's not perfect. Um, and yet God still gave us. So the, the big thing that sticks out to me about the flood story is not how did they get two by two animals into the ark, right? Although Answers in Genesis has some fascinating theories. If you want to go look at that, very cool. But the point is not, ooh, how did they get all the animals in the ark? The point is we suck and God still, and God, God in the same breath gave righteous judgment and also salvation, Right? Jesus is the better, the perfect ark, right? And so the ark is one of those obvious allusions to Jesus that judgment's coming and you need to get on the ark or you're going to be subject to that judgment. Um, so it's, a, it's more about Jesus than about the fact that, yet again, God gave us a way out. That yet again, even though we didn't deserve it, uh, God gave, brought us a way of salvation. And so that's the point of Genesis 6 and 7 and 8, whether you want to talk about the science of, of the weather and all that stuff. Again, go for it, geek out. But understand that's not the main point of the flood story. Um, the first thing, what is, and what is the first thing he do for Noah in, in Genesis 8? I used to think this was weird. He's just got done killing almost all animal life and human life, and Noah gets done and he says, Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Yeah. Well, has your God not had his fill of death? Right? But why, why, did, why would he do that? What's the difference? In, in why, why would he command a sacrifice of Noah? Just thought, I mean, I don't, you don't have to, I'm just, why would you think that? Because my theory is, again, he had the right to take life. Sacrificing is atonement for us. It has nothing to do with the fact that God wants something to die. God is, God is not a masochist or whatever that loves to see people suffer. The reason that something has to suffer and die is justice, and it's for our atonement. And so he was reminding Noah, I brought you through this, but you still owe me, right? You, you're still, you still need to make atonement for your sin and the things that you do. And, and so... Um, but I don't see where God asked him to do sacrifice. That's true, too. That's true, too. It says, did Noah build an ark? Uh, mm-hmm. Could be, yeah, right, right. God could have asked him, but he could have just been like, I should probably do this, <laughs> right? Because we're used to doing this. Um, he good point. Man even take seven pairs that he approved for sacrifice mm. before they got 
before they got on. So I guess he's like, well, I guess that's what these guys are for. You know, um, in a year and a half. And again, and again yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't say sacrifice. It just says bring seven of the team in. That's true. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they had to eat something. Right. There's a, lot, there's a lot of details, again, that Genesis leaves out, not because it's ignorant, not because the Bible is incomplete, because it doesn't matter to the main point of the story. Um, but he, what was the point in, in, verse, in chapter 8? He says, I'll never again do what I just did. I don't know why he decided he needed to do it once. I'll ask him one day when we get there. But uh, he says, as long as, from, from here on out, and he does the rainbow, you know, um, the original reason for the rainbow. Um, so that's what happens in, in Genesis 9. He tells them to do what he told Adam and Eve to do. Go be fruitful, multiply. This is still my plan. I'm still God. This, this, this is still going to happen the way I'm laying it out to happen. And so he gives Noah and his family uh, the, the same instruction. Um, of course, that's where you get the drunk Noah and you get uh, that, that whole thing. Um, and again, because Noah is not a, he was righteous, but he wasn't perfect. Um, there was some weirdness going on in that verse too about, you know, uh, Ham and Canaan and, and the curse that comes with that. Um, we don't understand. I mean, there's, again, you can make assumptions uh, of, of some things, um, but all we know is that um, God judges, is in 1 Samuel, I think, that God says, God doesn't judge the outside, he judges the heart, right? And so apparently whatever Ham or Canaan um, did in, in that moment where Noah was being an idiot and being a drunk, um, whether it was just embarrassing or whether it was doing something weirder and darker, um, God knew their hearts, and and uh, and they paid the and you know they paid the price with the natural consequences of that with God's curse. Um, again, it's it's we don't have to have an answer for why um, why those things happened. It's a description of what did happen, um, and then of course it goes into again because this is. It does more genealogy because this is real events that, re that really happened to bring us up into uh, Genesis 11. So we'll talk more about that next week. Any other questions? I, was, I hope I didn't talk too much. Hopefully you, don't, you, know, you feel like you can ask questions, but we just needed to walk through that. Um, there's more stuff that we could talk about as far as like from those three, uh, Japheth, Ham, and Shem, come all the different, they've kind of traced the different people groups around the world to, to those three, and there's some, a lot of genealogical and historical effort that's gone into that that has proven that it's, it's not some guy making this stuff up, you know, that's sitting in the desert board. Like, this is, this is verified historical stuff that adds to the credibility of Genesis being what it says it is. What's that? The tracing genealogies back to... Well, it is and it isn't, basically. Yeah. Right. Because of different heard, types of evolution. Yeah. I've, tried to use, I've heard them try to use it as an argument for um, uh, us coming from monkeys. Kind of mm. so, right. Which, which, again, it, the reason why that's such a problem is because Genesis specifically says we don't do that. that. He didn't say he looked at a monkey and went, that's pretty close, hold on. And, you know, <laughs> let, me, let me change a few things. No, he said that from the dust of the earth... Um, is there really the easy argument against that though is our genetics are breaking down and we're becoming sterile and we're not evolving or devolving if anything because obviously genetics are like a book if you print, copy the same book a hundred times it's, you're not going to read it anymore kind of thing. So right. yet another example of science proving you know proving the Bible to be right um, that's, that's a, I've, I've heard that too that's a good uh, argument for that and again we know that there's a difference in macro and micro evolution that we could talk about that, you know, there's certain uh, evolution that does happen, but there's no proof that, you know, that it's all theory and well, and they're still missing information because it's science. It's scientists saying these things, not science. Um, and it's, and it's, uh, that's, it will take us to uh, tower of Babel next week and stuff like that. And, and into Abraham's story, I think. Um, so, um, you, 11 through 20 is what you'll be 
reading for next time, and we'll talk about those next week. Again, if you get ahead, keep rolling. Don't let me stop you, but um, I know some of y'all are, are way ahead. That's fine. All right, let's pray real quick, and then we can let the kiddos go. Lord, I pray we, you would help us to remember what we need to remember, forget what we need to forget, that you would stir our affection for you and your word. You would uh, fortify our faith uh, but with, with this wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and that it would not puff us up to be prideful, arrogant, and argumentative, but it would uh, give us uh, humble confidence uh, that you are who you say you are. We are who, we, who you say we are. Uh, and that, that we can put our faith and trust in you. Lord, give us a desire to continue to read your word and help, help us through your Holy Spirit to understand it and apply it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.